What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to be talking about fad diets and more specifically, like what they are, how they work, how to spot them, what we can take from them, um, why they don't really work for people long term. And, and we'll touch on some of the popular diets out there that we see in the media and things that you might hear from your friends and your family and your coworkers and literally anybody that's tried a diet in their life. So I'm going to do my best to cover it all. Um, but this, again, is a topic that we could we could look at in a ton of different contexts and, and have a day-long conversation about. So before we start jumping into the different types of diets and fad diets that are kind of popular in, in the media today, I think we need to start by defining what a fad diet is. And I'm going to do my best, but to put it simply, you know, to me, a fad diet is something that's, it's popular for a short period of time. And it usually advertises or, or promotes some sort of quick weight loss or body transformation in a relatively short period of time. And for many people, you know, it can lead to somewhat of a, a quick weight regain after your commitment um, to that particular diet has, has ended. So when we talk about fad diets, we're essentially talking about an eating protocol that uses relatively unsustainable diet approaches in order to achieve a really rapid weight loss um, and to get results really quickly in a short term period or short time period. And I'll say this, you know, a lot of fat diets work. Like a lot of the, these supplement programs and these apps and these programs and these diets, like they can work for people um, and they can work for people in the short term. And, and honestly, they can help you lose a pretty decent amount of weight in a relatively short period of time. And it's because of the rigidity and the extreme calorie restriction that a lot of people, they have some form of success when following these different diets. But I think we also really need to define what success is. And we need to create a baseline for what success looks like before we dive into this because success can look different from person to person. Um, it, when we talk about success you know, with our nutrition, with our fitness, a lot of us tend to define our success based on the number on the scale, right? Or, or maybe our body fat percentage or how much muscle mass we have or, you know, what we look like naked or, or what size clothes we fit into or what size pants we fit into. But I've talked about this before. Our health goes way beyond our weight and what we look like. And hell yeah, like weight loss and body recomposition, like that can be part of the goal you know, that you're ultimately working towards. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't, but a lot of times that's the only thing that people are basing their success on. And it's honestly this mindset that more often than not just forces us to sacrifice our happiness and sanity in pursuit of achieving whatever goal weight that we're, we're working towards. And that just sucks, you know? So when we, when we talk about success in regards to our, our health and our nutrition, success should, and, and it also includes your relationship with food and your relationship with exercise and success can look like, you know, your ability to sustain a certain amount of weight loss after losing a significant amount of weight over, over a period of time. Success could be potentially maintaining like healthy blood markers and, and lab work. And it could be having more energy throughout the day and having more energy during your workouts and, and performing better in your sport or your activities and maybe having better sleeping patterns and having good digestion and uh, an underrated one is like having a basic understanding of nutrition and, and what your body needs on a daily basis and 
Um, success could also be like having confidence around food selection and being emotionally stable around the food um, that you're exposed to at work events and social events and, and kind of in your social life. And, you know, it, it could just be for you, success, success could just be creating like an environment that's conducive to you maintaining your progress and goals long term and feeling good in a lifestyle that you've created along the way. But there's just there's so many other things that factor into our success and that number on the scale it's there, but it tends to blind us from all those other markers that, you know, we can use to measure success as well. So yes, people have some weight loss success when they're trying these fad diets, but we really need to understand that weight loss and inches dropped off your waist are like one slice out of a, a pie that's 20 slices. So as we kind of talk about some of the different fad diets out there and the diet protocols, like I want you to remember that we're basing success off of all of those other factors that we listed and not just, not just weight loss alone. Okay. So I think that's really important to remember. Cool. Okay. Now that we've somewhat defined what fad dieting is and how we, um, how we can kind of see that present in, in our day-to-day routine. And when talking to people, um, I think we need to better understand like how we can actually spot them and what understanding like what we need to know before trying these things. And unfortunately, the diet industry, it really relies on people to keep coming back to whatever diet or supplement or meal replacement or app or uh, program or tea or, you know, whatever they're selling, it relies people to keep coming back to that over and over again. And as I've mentioned before, like fat diets are they're typically glamorized as the best and like the fastest way to lose weight. But as we start to look at some of these kind of like recommendations and guidelines and principles, like most of these diets involve eliminating like specific foods. Um, They often have a list of good or bad foods, right? Or their foods are color coordinated or they have points allocated to them. Um, And sometimes these diets, they just flat out eliminate whole food groups or food subgroups. And a lot of times those foods that they cut out, like they contain specific nutrients that your body actually needs. Um, And oftentimes these are the kinds of diets that are endorsed by celebrities and influencers. And they're printed on the cover of like woman's world fucking magazine that you see in the airport all the time, or they're promoted through social media. and, And they're just shit that you see and hear from other people all the time. And I'll play both sides here. You know, some diets, they may be recommended in in special situations for some people, or um, some people might be a little bit more advanced with their nutrition and they're just experimenting and trying new things or protocols specific to goals that they're working towards. But this conversation isn't necessarily for that person. And more often than not, like the people that I work with, the people that I see, the people that I meet with, the people listening to this podcast, like those are the people that can sometimes fall into that yo-yo dieting cycle. And, you know, those are the people that have fallen into that trap of potentially seeking that instant gratification of, of weight loss in, in a relatively short period of time. And, and those are the things that these fad diets promise. So um, with that being said, honestly, a, a lot of fad diets, they tend to have one thing in common. Um, they're, they're really just a temporary solution to what for many people is, is a lifelong problem. And when people, when people start something, eventually when they do stop or they have to deviate away from whatever diet or program they're following, 
man, the, the weight that they lose is usually regained pretty damn quickly. And that's because they don't always focus on, it's not the, it's not your fault, right? It's, it's more so the things that we're following, but that's because these diets, they don't always focus on lifestyle modifications, which we know is a hundred percent necessary to keep that weight off long-term. But when it comes to like spotting a fat diet and, and before trying a diet, like I really want you to be cautious and look out for things like, or statements like, um, you know, things that, that sound too good to be true, right? And claims that kind of promise this quick fix, this quick kind of fix with you having to put little or no effort into it. Um, a lot of times they'll give you a list of good and bad foods and, and assign, you know, colors to foods, green being good, yellow being okay, red being bad. And again, this can kind of create this unhealthy relationship with food in the long run. But with that being said, a lot of diets also use the elimination of like one or more food groups in, in um, demonizing certain foods. Um, you can also see a lot of fad diets and recommendations out there are based off of books or they're also advertising the idea that you need to buy the book or it's, it's sometimes being sold as a product of something. So if you see something it's like, hey, buy this book and buy X, Y, and Z, like sometimes that's that can be a fad diet as well. And more to that, like you requiring or, or like disclaimer saying like, hey, you're responsible for purchasing these supplements, meal replacements, shakes, teas, detox, like pills, whatever it is, you know, required purchase of different products in addition to whatever dieting protocol they give you. Like that's a good, that's sometimes a good indicator that you're getting yourself into a fad diet. And because at the end of the day, like really the goal for all of these, all of these diets out there and especially, especially, um, for weight loss purposes, the goal for every single one of them is to put you in a calorie deficit because in order to lose weight, you need to be eating less than what your body is burning on a daily basis. And, you know, by eliminating food groups and avoiding certain foods and, and eating more foods in the green zone or, you know, replacing meals with shakes or supplements or water, like all of those diets that you see, they're creating a calorie restriction, which is why you see that weight fall off relatively quickly in the beginning. And you see that weight come off relatively quickly because you're likely eating, you know, give or take anywhere from 500 to like 1200 calories per day on a lot of these programs, which as we know is not sustainable long-term. So let's, uh, let's kind of get into some of the diets that you've maybe seen or heard of, um, people doing and honestly things that you might see on social media and things that are just popular today. And honestly, these might even be diets that you've tried in the past. I'll admit I've tried some of them as well. And I'll let you know which ones, which things I have tried, um, because I'm, I'm a lot more like you than you think, but let's start with keto, um, or the ketogenic diet. And I'll start by saying that I'm not anti-keto by any means, but it's not something that I necessarily recommend to people. Um, and more often than not, I, I find myself helping people repair their relationship with carbs because keto and low carb diets are they're super popular right now. And oftentimes like those are the first thing that people try when working towards their weight loss goals or whatever body comp goals that they have. But the keto diet is, it's really great for rapid weight loss, honestly. And I, I emphasize the words weight loss because people tend to kind of interchange 
weight loss with fat loss, which isn't always necessarily the case. And one of the highlights of keto is that a lot of people are drawn to it because there's this idea of fat burning, right? And it's a hundred percent true. Like you have no carbs, you deplete your glycogen stores, you eat a shit ton of fat throughout the day, your body starts burning, that fat is fuel, you use ketones as energy and it's, you're legitimately burning fat and people are so drawn to that. But at the end of the day, if you're not eating less calories than what your body is burning on a daily basis, like that doesn't always equate to fat loss necessarily. And it's something that's really difficult to wrap your brain around, but you know, it's the low carb nature of keto that really forces kind of these dieters to avoid, you know, higher calorie, hyper palatable, more processed foods. And instead people, honestly, people opt for more satiating foods like eating more protein, having more veggies, obviously eating more fat, which having more veggies and more meat and more fat, like that can increase your satiety. And and by doing that, it can be easier to create a calorie deficit, especially if you've been eating a super high calorie diet or just been eating like a high schooler before you start dieting or before you start, you know, going keto. Um, But what also happens when you go keto is when you start to cut carbs super aggressively in the beginning, this also leads to a pretty significant reduction in water weight because carbs and water, they have a high affinity towards one another. Um, so when you cut out carbs, you're also losing a lot of water weight in the very beginning as well. Um, but honestly, cutting carbs so aggressively, like it, it doesn't make keto any more superior for fat loss than a diet that contains carbs. If calories match and things are equated. Um, but it definitely is better for losing overall weight in a shorter amount of time when compared to other diets because of how much water weight you lose initially on it, um, which is why it's kind of this positive feedback loop. People go low carb, they lose a shit ton of weight. They remember that it's like, okay, carbs are not good. I'm going to avoid them because I lost all this weight by eliminating them in the beginning. So, but on it, like, let's be real. Like we're not, we're not necessarily in this game to lose water weight, right? (laughs) Like most of us are in this game to lose fat. Um, but really what I want you to remember is like the primary mechanism that keto uses to help you with fat loss and, and to lose fat over time is the calorie deficit. Okay. Now let's talk about intermittent fasting, which is, uh, something that I personally done. Um, and it's something that I know everybody's heard about or have probably tried at some point or, or doing it, um, doing it right now, but fasting is generally, man, it's really just a tool or a protocol instead of an actual diet protocol um, because it doesn't, it doesn't restrict any specific foods and instead it just sets the time that you can eat throughout the day, right? The most popular fasting kind of protocols that you'll see people doing today, um, it's kind of this eating window that allows you to eat anywhere from like eight to 10 hours a day, which leaves the other 14 to 16-ish hours for fasting or you're not eating anything. And this absolutely works for people because it creates a pretty strict kind of set of boundaries around the times that you can eat throughout the day, which can eliminate your breakfast, right? Which can save a shit ton of calories throughout the day, or it can eliminate some of the mindless snacking and eating out of kind of just boredom or, or randomness, like maybe before bed or after dinner and things like that, which can also save a ton of calories throughout the day. And also when you, when you fit a whole day's worth of eating or eating food into like eight to 10 hours, that can also increase your feeling of fullness and satiety throughout the day because 
you know, eating that amount of food in that eating window can help you feel more full when you are quote unquote allowed to eat. So fasting like other diets and other fad diets, it can can help you create a calorie deficit by eliminating the amount of time that you spend eating throughout the course of the day. But again, you know, the primary mechanism that intermittent fasting uses to help you lose weight is a calorie deficit. Okay. And another diet that I've been seeing a lot lately is this kind of diet program called Optivia or Optivia. Fuck, I don't, I don't even know how it's pronounced. I wrote it down in my notes, but um, this is, a, I would say, one of a million other diets and supplement things that you can find on the market today that you pay money, you get their supplements, their products, and whatever foods that you can and can't eat or what you should be eating in addition to what they give you. Um, there's a ton of other programs out there like that, but I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard of this program before, but I honestly wasn't familiar with it until somebody asked me about it and I kind of had to do some of my own research on it, but you know, Optivia or Optivia, whatever, however you pronounce it, it's essentially, it's essentially a program built around products sold by the company itself. And they're, I think they're called fuelings if I did my research correctly, um, which are, uh, there are a variety of like shakes and soups and bars and drinks and like pretzels and snacks and brownies. And they all have similar or the same kind of calorie content and nutritional breakdown. And one of the popular programs that this kind of Optivia offers is um, this program called five fuelings a day or something like that. And essentially, in addition to having these five fuelings, these things that they give you to eat, you also have one meal called a lean and green meal, which is made up of like a protein and a non-starchy veggie essentially. And if you do the breakdown of what you're eating in a day, like I think it all works out to like 800 or a thousand calories that you're eating on a daily basis. And again, I'm not sitting here bashing on anybody who's tried this before. Uh, honestly, I know there's people who've probably have found some success by following it, but remember we got to define our version of success and what that looks like. But from my perspective, the biggest problem that I have with this Optivia diet, and we're kind of using Optivia as a scapegoat here, but in general, just the other types of diets like this out there is one, it's unsustainable, right? Like this particular diet, it's essentially a very low calorie diet. And as we know, like when you eat very low calories, you're probably going to see quite a, quite a bit of fat loss in the beginning or weight loss in the beginning. But it's these kind of diets that they often lead to like binge eating and overeating as the restriction continues over time. Um, and, uh, you know, 800 to a thousand, even 1200 calories a day, like it's just not enough to fuel your body. And it's honestly, it's not even enough to, to fuel like a two year old or three year old. So number one, they're, they're unsustainable, right? Number two is they cost money still like this Optivia. I think it costs 400 or 450 bucks a month. And that doesn't include the food that you have to buy in addition to the products that you buy from the company itself. Um, and honestly, like this can add up over time too, you know, and I, I think not that I'm saying 400, $450 is a lot of money, but I think investing in your health is so essential. and it's so important, but only if it produces results that are sustainable for you long-term. And there's a difference, right? Um, the third reason why I don't like this diet and a lot of these other types of diets is that they make you reliant on the program and the products that they sell. You know, 
a meal program kind of built around these prepackaged foods and shakes and supplements. Like it, it just doesn't teach you how to build balanced meals. And it doesn't teach you how to fuel yourself using foods outside of the products that are being sold by the company itself, you know, which over time, these programs like Weight Watchers and Optivia and Nutrisystem and just insert whatever company that makes you rely on their products for, for that success. If you want to sustain those results that you get from whatever program you're doing, you're going to have to keep coming back and keep buying their products. It's, it's exactly what they want you to do, you know, which is bullshit. And again, like circling back to kind of the main point we're driving at today, the primary mechanism that these kind of fad diets as Optivia and the other diets that we're talking about, the things that help you lose weight, say it with me now, it's a, it's a calorie deficit. You know, and there's just so many ways that these diets and programs can get you into a calorie deficit. And that's why there's so many of them to choose from. But that's also why people kind of run from diet to diet their whole life. And it's because these programs trick you into thinking that you're missing something and that it's the carbs or the red foods or it's the point system or it's the shakes and the meal replacements. Like those are the things that you're missing. But man, it's always going to come back to being in a calorie deficit. Okay, so we can we can go through every diet out there, um, everything that you can see on the market, everything that's being sold to people, um, and we've only talked about a handful here so far. But remember, the goal for all of these diets, the thing that they all have in common is that they get you to eat less than what your body is burning on a daily basis. Okay, so moving on, like why don't these diets work long term? And we kind of just talked about this, but I, I think we all know the answer to this. And it's because most of them are unsustainable and most of them don't even remotely take into consideration like what you need to do to be successful long-term, which it's a variety of things, but things like building just sound nutrition habits and creating an environment that's kind of supports this new change in identity that you've found yourself in and focusing on behavior change, um, giving you kind of a basic education and understanding around nutrition, um, giving you, or I guess leaving you in a spot where you can do this on your own forever rather than feeling the need to start over and over again and relying on another person or a diet program or, or shakes or products to help keep you those results. So if you're listening to me ramble right now and, and all you've heard me say so far is calorie deficit and fat diets are bad, Oh, man, I'm I'm not doing a very good job <laughs> because if you walk away from this episode and think, huh, okay, well, keto, intermittent fasting, vegan or vegetarian diets, Weight Watchers, Optivia, like all those things are bad and I should never do them. Well, then what, right? Like what's the next step after that? Because at the end of the day, like if you're following one of these diets right now or if, if you've tried them in the past and it, even if you've had some amount of success with them, there are some benefits that we can potentially take away from them and, and use that as momentum going forward, potentially. And man, there's a guy out in the uh, nutrition space that I, I look up to a lot. Um, his name is Lane Norton. And he and some other people kind of in the nutrition space that I look up to, they've kind of changed the way that I think and my way of thinking and, and the way I approach some of these conversations um, with people about dieting and things like that. Which no matter what, like when someone says something, maybe it's about a diet they've tried or a program they were on or 
they're telling you about their success, you know, with whatever diet or thing that they did, like you always have to ask compared to what, or instead of what, because for me personally, if I have two people standing in front of me and one person is on like a well-formulated, a well-structured vegan diet and the, the other one is following a more traditional Western and American style diet, I'll take that well-formulated vegan diet over that standard American diet every day of the week. You know, I'll take a paleo diet and honestly, I'll take any other diet out there over the standard American diet. So we have to always ask ourselves, like compared to what? And a lot of times we have people turning to these diets who have been following these kind of Western style dieting practices, you know, a lot of processed food and refined sugars and inadequate fruit and veggie consumption and fried foods and calorie dense meals and eating away from home a shit ton. And you put them on a diet that's centered around whole foods and plants, like you're going to see improvements and you're, you're going to see people to start to feel better and they're going to lose weight because of that because that fad diet was honestly just better than what they were doing before, right? But the next problem that we see is that, you know, these people that buy into these Optivias and these Nooms and and Noom diet and, and Weight Watchers and the people that go vegetarian, like they see these drastic changes in the beginning and they end up being sold on that program, that lifestyle, because that's the thing that happened to give them some results in the very beginning. So, at the end of the day, the question, you know, compared to what, it's probably the biggest bottleneck for a, a lot of this nutrition stuff because when you start asking that question, like that invites more discussion and interpretation, which is honestly what we need to be doing more of. My goal today isn't to vilify or to tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing with your nutrition. And for me, if I've, you know, made any mistakes in my years of coaching so far and, and being a dietitian so far, it's probably, it's probably been me being too anti-diet and too anti-things that I like don't personally believe in or, or do. Because I, you know, and a lot of other coaches and healthcare providers in this space, like we have the privilege to understand kind of all this stuff from years of self-study and going to school for this and doing this shit for a living, you know, and we're more educated on the topic. So we, we have the privilege of being able to see through a lot of the shit initially. And I, me, like, I, I just can't sit here and feel good about myself by going in on inter intermittent fasting and telling you that, you know, it's just a tool to help you create a calorie deficit and there's nothing magic to it, you know? And if someone who's listening to this or someone who's intermittent fasting or intermittent fasting and they're feeling good and, you know, they've had a ton of success by following it and they start to question that because of something that I said or because of something that they read from somebody else online. Like that's not always helping people, you know, and for me as a coach and as a content creator and kind of this nutrition and fitness space, like I don't want to sit here and bash on everything, but instead my goal is to, it's to challenge the kind of compared to what scenario and give people the opportunity to challenge their, their own current beliefs and practices um, and just kind of do that on their own terms, right? So going back to kind of this intermittent fasting scenario, I don't, nothing on intermittent fasting, we're just kind of beating that horse right now, but going back to this scenario, like let's say that person was eating a traditional kind of Western American diet and you know, they use that intermittent fasting structure to change their eating patterns and it helped them lose weight. Like, I fucking love that. 
you know? So compared to what they were doing before, like what they're doing, doing now is, is probably so much better than that. But now, right? Like maybe that person has graduated to another goal and, and their goals have changed and maybe they're working on building more muscle. Like, is that intermittent fasting better or more optimal for someone trying to eat more calories throughout the day? Maybe, uh, maybe not. Right. But that's, that's what coaches and people like myself are for, you know, it's, it's just to give you information and just to give you the stuff that you need to make the best decision for yourself long-term. Okay. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that coaches and trainers and doctors and dietitians, like what all of these providers make is that, you know, in order for us to sound like competent and intelligent and in order to kind of project our expertise onto people, like we feel that we, we always have to shit on other things and diets and programs to, to get our point across. And as appealing as that is, like, I personally don't think that that's always the best approach. Um, and I, I just don't think that that really helps people as much as we think it does. Because more often than not, like we offend somebody and instead of opening up and inviting conversation, like people feel the need to defend what they're doing and what they believe in. And, and man, that's just not a space that, you know, we could be super productive in. And honestly, it was, it was kind of this mindset that I had for a while, like when I was starting out and when I think back on it and when I, I see other people doing it now, it, it all it makes me cringe, honestly. And if you find yourself in one of these like diet camps and you constantly feel the need to shit on other people and, and other ideas because you only believe in what you're doing, I don't think we're seeing the bigger picture here, you know? So as we as we circle back around to fad diets and kind of the topic that we initially started talking about today, like I really challenge you to be more of a skeptic and, and just to ask more questions. And I want you to be more aware of programs and people and things that just use absolute language and those who talk in black and white and those who talk in that polarizing language by saying things like always or good and bad or never or healthy and unhealthy and if you do this, it's wrong, you know? So if, if you see any of that, if you see any of that verbiage, like I don't really care what the person is talking about. And yes, there may be some exceptions to this, but you need to be putting your red flags up when you see things being talked about in absolute sense like that. Because when you start to to research and to look into some of these diets and fad diets and programs, like you'll see a lot of absolutism. And it's really easy to fall for that and to get sucked into it because that's the answer that most of us are looking for, right? Like those are the, the bold and promising claims that we think that we're missing. But nothing with nutrition is definitive. And what works for someone might make somebody else go absolutely crazy, you know? And it, again, for me as a coach, I think, I think it's always important to add those disclaimers and that context to everything that I say because without context, like we don't have a start to the conversation that a lot of people just, they desperately need, you know? So before we call it a day, I, I briefly want to kind of break down how these different dieting camps and principles can be used as something productive and just talk about kind of some of the ideologies out there and things that I love and, and the things that I think could really serve the population as a whole. And 
you know, rather than just labeling all these diets as super destructive and telling you to kind of avoid them completely. Right. So just talking about some of the, the good things that we can take and also talking about some of the, the noise and distractions that come from some of these diets and beliefs and people that talk about their diets. So let's start with maybe the vegan diet. Um, I don't think we've talked about the vegan diet yet, but this is, this, this can be a group and they can tend to be some of the loudest voices that we see in here in the dieting industry and on Netflix documentaries and shit like that. But what I love about this nutrition approach is, is the importance of eating more fibrous and nutrition and just plant matter and focusing our diet around that. And for almost everybody on the planet, eating more fresh and whole fruits and veggies, like that's going to provide a ton of benefits. It's going to be far better than eating more processed foods and, and less fruits and veggies, which is what a lot of people do. Now, the negative stuff kind of associated with the vegan diet is that people tend to kind of flash the moral high ground debate and talk shit to other people eating animal products when in reality, like we're learning more and more every year on how we can ethically source animal products and how we can do that in a better way and in a way that's better for the environment and honestly getting to a point where we're farming and, and that's actually something that's regenerative, regenerative for the planet. So, you know, from a bird's eye view, like this is a touchy subject because people, people can be vegan for religious and ethical reasons. And so this isn't really a blanket description for everybody, but following a vegan diet, it can help you eat more plants, which is going to be good for almost everyone in every single context. Um, but the cons, the cons can come from kind of this obsessive and compulsive desire to, to take this moral high ground and think less of everybody else that really aren't following down the same path as, as they are and the things that they believe in. Moving on to keto. Um, I think one of the really awesome things that we can take from the ketogenic diet is that it's really challenged this belief that all animal products are bad for you. Right. And for a long time, a lot of people thought that dietary fat was the enemy and, and keto's really challenged kind of our understanding on the role of fat and cholesterol and, and to what degree is saturated fat okay in our diet and how that can impact our health. So, so keto has really forced us to kind of continue evolving the narrative around fat. And I think that's been a really good thing. Now, obviously the most negative aspect of keto and the most negative kind of contribution that's made to the nutrition space is just this continued demonization of carbs. And it's, this idea that you can't have any carbs, you know, in your keto diet and it's going to be, it's bad if you have carbs with the keto diet because you can't reach the state of ketosis. And really that's just killing people's relationship with food. Also, um, the idea of burning fat versus fat loss is also kind of muddied the water around weight loss. But again, you know, there's, there's some positive things that we can take from keto as well. Um, Another thing that I want to mention and thing that I see a lot of and people who come to me with a history of doing this and it's this idea of like if it fits in your macros like you can eat whatever you want kind of concept and I think one of the biggest takeaways from this is that it's really allowed people to find some some more food freedom I guess we could say and it's helped people kind of eat the foods that they like while controlling calories at the same time and also working towards or getting a body that they want at the same time as well. 
And I think that's awesome. You know, but when one of the negatives is of course falling into this routine of just eating a bunch of shit and thinking that it's okay because you're still hurt. You're still hitting certain calorie numbers and uh, macro targets by the end of the day. And, and people can look great by doing this. Honestly, it can be done, but it can also be incredibly unhealthy and, and, and just tear your insides up as well. So uh, moving on, you know, fasting, we've talked about fasting already, but I think fasting has really challenged some of those norms around nutrition. And it's really challenged some of the ideas around like nutrient timing and, and just stressing the importance of always eating three meals per day and always eating breakfast, you know, and um, stuff that we've had ingrained within us forever, right? Like things that we've been told our whole lives. I think intermittent fasting has really challenged those thoughts and beliefs and it's exposed us to this new way of eating that can be conducive to your goals. Um, but one of the, man, one of the negatives though is, is obviously it can be a gateway to somewhat of a disordered eating pattern and also create this unhealthy and obsessive mindset around eating throughout the course of the day and eating at certain times throughout the day. Looking at the rest of my list, honestly, I could sit here and do this forever, but I think you guys get the point that I'm driving at. Um, but a lot of this is about, it's about what you're doing and not about the things that you're not doing. And when we talk about being a vegan or vegetarian, like it, it's not about not eating meat and not eating animal products, but it's more about eating more plants and fruits and veggies and micronutrients and antioxidants and fiber and, and sometimes eating less fried and processed foods, right? Like if we look at something like Weight Watchers, it's, it's not about eliminating all high calorie foods, but it's more about building awareness around, you know, what foods have more calories than others and, and how those foods can fit into your day. But when we take a step back and, and do this for all the diets out there, like I think it makes us, it forces us to really appreciate the fact that health is so multifaceted and it's never about a singular diet or a food or carb or a type of exercise. Like not one certain thing can, can determine whether or not you're healthy. Health is so fucking complex. And if, if you think that you're going to be healthy or not healthy based on a fad diet that you followed or a principle that you follow, man, we're just, we're just not seeing the bigger picture here. And that's, that's really what I want you to take away from today. Nutrition is just, it's so individualized and, and health is such a multifactorial equation, but we tend to forget that in, in a lot of these diets and, and diet trends, like they can just blind us from seeing that too. So I'm going to end this episode on that note because I've been rambling for a while now, but please, please remember just to, just to be more skeptical and to always ask the kind of compared to what question and and when you're navigating through kind of the diet space and analyzing the different diets and fad diets out there and that can really save you a lot of time and frustration and money in the long run so thank you again for listening today and until next time Remember to eat with a purpose, train with intention, and think with confidence as you work towards your own nutrition and fitness goals. Appreciate you listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace.
Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.